It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's the pocket. And To the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff, you know and it's <laughs> the Qinator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Yesterday, we finished off with a question from Sam Rabdu. Sam also asks, what changes can Adam Gase make to his play calling now that he has an offensive line? And can Gase get fired midseason if there's a sloppy product on the field? So we sort of touched on that last part. I think Chris summed it up well. The only way that Gase is going to get fired midseason is if he implodes. If he completely loses the locker room, if everything is chaotic, and if the team can't get out of its own way and they're losing left and right, then maybe. But otherwise, I think he's going to be here for at least the rest of the season we'll see what happens beyond that but I find it very difficult to envision a scenario where he's going to get fired in season it would have to get catastrophic for that to happen as far as what changes Gase can make to his play calling now that he has an offensive line it's tough to say because I'm not entirely sure what to expect from this offensive line honestly The only one that we know for sure in terms of playing within the system is Alex Lewis. The other four guys are going to probably be new starters, or at the very least, Winters is competing with Van Roten, but we don't know what to expect from Becton day one. We're not entirely sure whether it's going to be Fant or Adoga, and if it's Fant, he hasn't played in the Frank Pollock system yet. Connor McGovern, we know, is pretty solid. But we also don't know exactly what to expect from him right away in this system or even how these guys are going to gel, Chris, because we've talked about this a lot. More so than most units, it's very important for the offensive line to get a sense of cohesiveness heading into the season. And with the way things are right now, it's going to be a lot harder to do that, which puts a team like the Jets at a major disadvantage because they have so many new guys coming in here. Yeah, so... Like you said, and we said before, I don't see him getting fired uh, midseason unless it's just he goes off the rails, especially in this type of season again more so. I think uh, it will just be up, chalked up as a loss and uh, just focus on the other teams and then we'll move on from Gase after the season. As far as what he can do play calling, um, we'll start with Le'Veon Bell. We'll start with he can use him more as a receiver. Uh, we'll start with not running him directly into the likes of Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins. He could do uh, this, Chris, but is he going to? I don't know that he's intent on using Bell to the maximum of his capabilities. It almost seemed like he was trying to prove a point last year. Well, no, for sure. But uh, I thought just the question is what can he do? Mm, okay. Maybe I uh, that wrong. But the other thing is, is Sam Darnold, the way that he, he – more boots. 
get him on the move more, have him rolling out more, uh, stop trying to force him to strictly uh, work from inside the pocket. Uh, that Those are the other things that he can really do. Um, but th- you're right. I, I don't think that he's going to. I don't think he's going to change anything about his offense. And that's why I expect him to be fired at the end of the season because <laughs> what we have seen and what has been proven with Adam Gates is he is not willing to change. He is not willing to adapt. And the best thing you can say about a a coach in the NFL is that they're willing to change and they're willing to adapt. All the good ones do. Adam Gase stubbornly refuses to. So that's why I'm sticking with the, he will be fired at the end of the season. It's really that simple. One of my favorite stories about Gase was what Jarvis Landry said about when he went into Gase's office and told him he thought he could do X, Y, and Z and said, Hey, why don't we try this? And, Gase apparently looked up at him and said, do you think you know how to do my effing job better than I do? And told him to get out of his office. I think that speaks a lot to the type of coach Adam Gase is. I understand that he's a workaholic and no one's saying he doesn't know football, but sometimes you got to be willing to work with guys and be a little flexible. And it just doesn't seem like he's willing to do that. Now, if he had had some time to humble himself like we were talking about with Todd Bowles and be bumped back down to coordinator or take a year off, maybe he would have reflected and changed. But he certainly didn't seem to do that last year, and I'm not so sure he's going to do it this year because, quite frankly, he's never had to do it. Next question comes in from James Ash. He says, are the 2020 Jets more likely to be in the playoff hunt or in the hunt for the top overall pick in the 2021 draft? I think they're not going to be really in either sweepstakes. I don't think they're going to be bad enough to get the number one pick, but I don't think they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs. But this could go one of two ways with two different variables. If Sam Darnold steps up and plays really well this year, they could be in the playoff hunt. But if we see a lot of injuries, this team doesn't have the depth to survive injuries. They didn't have it last year. They have it a little bit more this year, but they still don't have enough super talented players to get by. So if that happens, then maybe that puts them in contention for that number one spot because they have a much tougher schedule this year. I know that this is a bit of a cop-out, but I'm going to say that they're probably right in that middle range. I think you can make an argument either way that they're more towards the number one pick or more towards the playoffs. I agree with you. I I, I think that they're most likely to be in the six to ten to eight and eight, or you know, nine and seven, maybe is ceiling range. So I think they're most likely to be smack dab in the middle. What I will say is, I do think this crazy season, uh, off season, short and off season, the preseason games. I, I keep saying all this stuff, but all this stuff, the teams that are going to benefit the most from or be able to. Uh, whether the storm of all this are the best coach teams, the most prepared teams. So if, if we're going one extreme, which is who I think is more likely the jets are, you know, playoff level, good championship level, good or closer to the first overall pick. I'd say that they're going to be closer to the first overall pick, but I think the, the re- real answer here is they're probably going to be somewhere in the, 10th pick to 16th pick range. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. 
Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. And as usual, Michael has a bunch of questions, so we're going to roll through them. Michael, this is why we love you. Always ask us interesting questions. He says, I know this might be unpopular because everyone wants their own guy or a first-time guy as head coach, but if Gase gets fired, what do you think about the idea of bringing in Marvin Lewis? He proved he could build a winner, especially with a team that didn't spend money in free agency. He can develop players. He's a player's coach. And always assembles a really good staff, which is important. He had Zimmer and Gruden. Both of them got head coaching jobs. Some of the playoff losses were not on him, and he won that division many times with Dalton as quarterback, a competent NFL coach. The problem for me with Marvin Lewis is that there's sort of a ceiling to what he can be. So if you bring him in, yeah, he's not going to embarrass you, but I just don't know exactly what you're going to get from him that would make you optimistic over the long haul. And I suppose if he were to bring in somebody that you trusted to work with Darnold, maybe, but I don't know. He's sort of one of those weird guys where he has a solid resume, but I think part of the reason why teams would be hesitant to bring him in is because, like I said, you look at what he did and it just feels like every time that team got to a big moment, they couldn't get over the hump. And so... When you're the coach for that long and it never happens for you, teams think that you peaked and you can't go any higher than that. So I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world, but I think, like you said, it would be very disappointing because you would look at it as, eh. Yeah, it's it's just not exciting. 
Um, you know, uh, teams want the home run, and Marvin Lewis is is a solid double. Uh, you could do a whole lot worse than him. And now, uh, I it, this would be one of those situations where you hire him, and I say, tell me who the coordinators are. And if if, if there's two people who I really like, then I'm I'm super good with it. Let's go. Um, I I agree with uh, Michael about. Uh, his track record with uh, coordinators. I, I, but I also agree with you that there is kind of a ceiling on him. So I think now, what are you looking for? Are you looking to get the jets just back into a playoff team? Then yes, absolutely go with Marvin Lewis. You want to win a super bowl, mm, but again, you can do a lot worse than him. So uh, Marvin Lewis is, is never going to be my number one choice because I'm going to be trying to swing for that home run, but he's, he's not going to be at the bottom of my list that either. And at the end, let's just put it this way. If the Jets hired Marvin Lewis over Adam Gase last, uh, when they hired him last year, I would have been the, uh, more complimentary of that decision than I was with Gase. I agree. Although we both know that if the Jets would have hired Marvin Lewis, Jets fans would have been really pissed about it because they would have said, oh, you brought in the poster child of mediocrity. This team isn't interested in going for a Super Bowl. And I think you would probably get a lot of that. Although I will say that after all this with Gase, if it continues in year number two, the way that it was in year number one, people would probably be much more open to Marvin Lewis only because you bring in a guy that has at least a proven track record and you know that he can work with players and it would be a welcome change from what we've seen from Gase. But as you said, it would definitely be a situation where instead of swinging for the fences, you're maybe getting a stand-up double at best. There's a ceiling to what you're going to get from Marvin Lewis, but certainly a competent coach. Continuing with Michael's questions, he said, what did you guys think of the Bill Barnwell article about the Jets moving on from Darnold after this year? He also went on ESPN Radio to talk about it. He did say that in first drives, Darnold rated among the top 15 QBs, but dead last after that. Couldn't believe that the coach never adjusted to that zero blitz against the Patriots, and wide receivers were running into each other in week two, and then in week 16, same route concepts. He did say that if you took Darnold off the Jets, they would be 0-16, but he doesn't think Darnold makes anyone better. I'll be honest, I haven't read the whole article. I've read bits and pieces. I'm not a huge Bill Barnwell fan. I just think that a lot of his analysis is sort of plain and elementary. I should read it, though, because a lot of people have been talking about it. As I said, I've only read bits and pieces. It's possible the Jets could walk away from Darnold after this year, but I really don't think so. I think he's going to, at the very least, finish out his rookie deal, and then maybe they'll figure it out if he hasn't put it together. But he's at least shown you that he's got the flashes of talent and he's not a guy that's going to embarrass you out there if nothing else. We've talked about this. It's all about consistency. Michael Nania watched every single snap and we went through all of it here on the show and it's available at JetsXFactor.com as well if you want to read his written reports with all the color-coded charts and everything and the videos and the highlights. But Darnold has had some outstanding games, he's had some good games, he's had some ant games, and he's had some really bad games. What Darnold needs to do is take each of those things up a notch. So if he can take the bad games and make them into okay games, and the okay games into good games, 
then Darnold makes that leap into a top 10 to 15 quarterback. And we already know what the talent is. So this will tell a lot. But I think unless Darnold is really bad this year and Joe Douglas sits back and says, this is just not the guy. I don't see them moving on from him yet. I think that at the worst, they'll ride him until the end of the rookie deal. And then if they're still not convinced, maybe they go in another direction. But I think at this point, unless Darnold really disappoints, he's probably getting a second contract anyway. Well, all right, I'll start here. I haven't read the article at all. Uh, I, I love Barnwell. I think Barnwell's great. Um, I disagree with him a lot, but uh, the, his thought process and how he gets there, I always respect. Uh, the, the, the legwork that he does, and I, and I, I really enjoy his work. Um, I, so, again, I haven't read this article, but I, I do think just in general, the, the general talk of Jets moving on from Darnold and uh, getting kind of blurred in with people just saying if numbers haven't hit a certain point after the third year that no quarterback ever ends up being good. I think that kind of gets blurred together because I can't see any any scenario where the Jets are cutting Sam Darnold or uh, next year or looking to trade him off. the The only thing I can see towards Sam Darnold not playing the tw- uh, as the starting quarterback in twenty twenty one, besides obviously injury is if they're so bad this year and Darnold doesn't look good this year and then they are in a position to get Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that and then Trevor Lawrence just wins the job. But even then, I think that they would probably end up keeping Darnold as a backup. Maybe they could trade him. Um, But I I can't really see any other scenario than that scenario where the Jets are looking to get rid of him. and maybe he's bad and they want to bring in more of a veteran. You know, maybe next offseason they would look to bring in the this year's equivalent of uh, Cam Newton into it uh, and, and have a legitimate camp battle if he's not good enough. But I just don't see any way that he's going to be so bad that the Jets are like, we're cutting him or we just need him off our team and we're moving on from him. He's got this year and then two more years still, and he's still super young. He's still younger than Joe Burrow is. Um, He's had to deal with uh, not only the terrible rookie, what he had to do with offensively in his rookie season and Gase in the lack of talent last year, but he had to deal with Mono and then coming back from Mono, and it's still younger than Joe Burrow. I just I can't see any way that he's not going to be on the roster next year. Next question comes in from Jesus Delapaz Jr. He says, have you guys had a chance to check out Cam Clark's game tape and early projections as to where he can play on the offensive line? I saw that he played center in high school, left tackle at UNC Charlotte, but also practiced at guard. Curious since he's bonded with Becton early on, it seems. Yeah, they have become pretty tight. As you heard Makai Becton talk about on the podcast, and by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's number 666, so if you go into the archives, you can find it, and he talks a little bit about his friendship with Cam Clark. They've both been working out with Duke Manyweather, so they've bonded there. From what I've gathered, 
he's going to play guard in the NFL, and that's what they took him with the intention of doing. As far as watching his game tape, I've watched a Clemson game. That's the only one I've gotten a chance to look at so far. He was dominant in that game, which is very impressive because, Chris, as you know, one of the biggest things that people talk about when you're looking at a small school kid is, oh, well, what's he going to do against top competition? Well, he went up against one of the best teams in all of college football and was arguably the best player on the field that day. He just threw guys around. Joe Blewett looked at his tape, really liked what he saw. You heard that on the podcast. Joe came on to break down the film of the rookies in this class. So I've watched that one game, came away really impressed, haven't had a chance to watch more, but I do trust Joe Blewett's eye. And he says that Cam Clark has a ton of upside. Also says what everybody else seems to be indicating, which is that Clark is going to play guard at the NFL level. Probably not this year, most likely next year. Yeah, I did the same thing, uh, uh, you know, when they drafted him. I saw people talking about the Clemson game. So I said, all right, this is perfect. Let me watch the Clemson game. And I watched that and was just as impressed and as you were. And I, I meant to. I was like, all right, after, you know, give me a couple of weeks and I'll go back and watch more of his tape. But, again, as I keep saying, I just have, have not been able to find the motivation to do that because of, with everything going on, I'm not. Like, I'm not going to bother doing that in case there's no season. Um, so I might might do that in these next couple of weeks. But uh, I it, watching that tape and watching every the, the clips that I other clips I've seen and everything, I completely agree that he's going to be a guard. I think uh, obviously I, I know that they're they're really thinking and hoping that it'll be backed in and him next to each other and just be road graders just just pounding on everybody in the future. Um, but he's, he's definitely raw. He's got some things to work out and, you know, maybe he would have had a better chance in a regular normal season, but probably going to have a limp, very small chance uh, this season. But then again, we got, uh, you know, Brian Winters and Alex Lewis uh, and not exactly uh, the most healthy players in the world. So you, you could see him getting some time later on. Um, but that that's one of those picks that was made for the duration of the contract way more than for this year. Um, I, I do need to go back and watch more of that tape, but I did watch that Clemson tape because, like you said, when you get a small school player, you you want to watch you know games against whatever, but you're really trying to look for those um, when they play the big schools to see how he did. So I took a look at that, and I was very impressed. And um, so, I, you know, I was like, all right, I'll get back to it. And I just haven't gotten back to it. That's going to wrap up part two of the weekend mailbag. Don't forget to follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given the show a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.